0: Well, good morning everyone. Welcome once again to another service from and as we study the book of Acts, we are in week 22 in our series through the book of Acts, and after this week probably we have another 3 weeks before we move into the Christmas season. The latter half of this book that we are studying, the book of Acts, is about the expansion of the gospel message and the establishment of churches throughout Asia Minor, and Europe. So today we are in Acts chapter 20, and as we read a few moments ago, the Apostle Paul in this chapter is saying goodbye to his friends, his friends who were part of the church that he established in the city of Ephesus. And while this speech is a goodbye speech and is specifically meant for his friends in Ephesus, these words also give us a glimpse into the values and into Paul's life, identifying to us the things that motivated him daily. And we need to understand that. Even though this is a personal moment with, it, with his friends, it also reveals something about him. It reveals to us how he makes choices, And the results that happen as a result of those choices. And it also reveals stuff on how we can make proper choices in our personal lives. In fact, I think if you took time and you read these words that we just read a few moments ago. And if you read these words slowly and you took time to ponder the words of what he is trying to communicate. I think there would be a compelling a compelling manner in which you will discover that Paul expresses, this is really important for us to grasp, where Paul expresses his confidence and his security that most of us probably long for in our own personal lives. There is something in people's lives where they want to have confidence, where they want to know beyond any shadow of doubt that there is a certain certainty that can govern our lives. So let me summarize really briefly what what I'm trying to say, and I think what Paul is trying to say as well. In this message that we just read, Paul is communicating these words. I'm where I'm supposed to be, doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and I am okay with my future, no matter the outcome. That's what he is trying to say. That's basically what he is proclaiming in these verses that we read in Acts chapter 20. I'm where I'm supposed to be, doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm okay with my future no matter the outcome. Now, when I look at this proclamation and I think about it for a moment and you ponder it for a moment, you can see this a person's life that he there's this conviction that he has that's absolutely compelling. When you look at these words, when you look at his proclamation, you see a compulsion that is driving his life. And I would submit to you, I would submit that for most of us, we also want to be defined by this. We also want to be defined by, we want to know where we're supposed to be, We want to know what we are to do and what we're supposed to be doing. And we want to know that we don't have to live a life worrying about our future. I think all of us would identify with these three points. I think all of us want to have that kind of conviction with our own personal lives. And so what you are reading here in this text, in the text of Acts chapter twenty can absolutely be impactful in our lives. But it also reveals something else. It reveals that the choices that Paul makes in his daily life promotes him to be the kind of person who is completely and totally satisfied and at peace with who he is and what is happening in his life. That revelation that Paul is bringing forth here in this, in this speech, this farewell speech to his friends in Ephesus, this revelation is a gift to us. It's a gift to us. This, these words, this, this is an, listen. this is incredibly helpful because the choices that Paul makes allows him to be absolutely confident in life which means this for us today. If you and I want to be that kind of person who is confident in life, knowing where they're supposed to be, doing what they're supposed to be doing, and totally at peace, and not worried about the future, these verses provide us a clue on how to do that. These verses are a blueprint that are in front of us. Listen, when you read the scriptures, this the, this. This chapter, these verses in this chapter is a blueprint. And if you unpack and if you begin to unleash these truths that are found there, you can apply them to your own personal lives. Because Paul makes three decisions that I think are incredibly important for us to understand. These decisions gave him the ability to live a life of confidence. A life of confidence. The first decision is this. The first decision to provide us with a confident life is this. We need to live a God-guided life over the good life. We need to make a decision to be people who live a God-guided life over the good life. Now when we talk about the good life... I'm referencing this ability in our minds to imagine what we think life should be. There's an appliance company called LG, which, means, which stands for Lucky Gold Star. And Lucky Gold Star has a slogan that they put out every time they produce an appliance. And the slogan that they build this company around is, life, life is good. Life is good. In other words, if you have our appliances in your home, in your kitchen, in your life, your life will be much, much better. Our appliances will make home-cooked meals taste better. Our appliances will keep your food fresher. Our appliances will clean your dishes better. And life will be good to you. Now, in our imagination, life, we think, should be built for comfort. Everything has to be just right in our homes. Life should be masterfully created with experiences that provide us with feeling, good feelings of satisfaction. That's the good life. The good life is where everything is right. It's the Goldilocks life. Nothing is too hot. Nothing is too cold. Nothing is too soft. Nothing is too hard. But everything is is just right. That's the good life. That's the good life, the dream that people keep having, this dream and desire to attain where everything is nice and pleasant and good, where there are no problems in life. Now you know, hopefully, or at least I hope you know, that this good life is a mirage a mirage this optical phenomenon something that is illusionary without substance or reality that's a mirage and much and much of our advertising in our world today uses the mirage to influence the decisions we make, how we spend our money. It's a mirage. It's not real. And and the evidence is found in the amount of people that you encounter and I encounter who say things like, I don't know how I got here. They look at their life and they ask the question, "How how did I end up here? They look at their life and they realize there's no meaning to it and they're massively in debt and they say to themselves, what happened to my life? And usually, these questions get asked by people because they have not made cognitive, rational decisions with how they ended up and aimed at and, and ended up in a certain place. They were simply in pursuit of a good life. I just wanted to be happy. I just, I just did what I did because at the moment it felt right and it felt good. So the point that the Apostle Paul is making in this chapter, the point he is making is, don't chase the good life. Instead, Paul is saying, look at my life. I'm living a God-guided life. And actual and true happiness It's actually a byproduct of doing things that we believe God is leading us into. That's what ultimately brings happiness into our lives. That's what ultimately solidifies joy in our life. It's coming to a place where we realize that my joy and my happiness, everything that's happening in my life, is because I'm trusting God because he is leading my life. Now look at Paul. Paul is saying, I'm on this journey in life, and I'm headed toward Jerusalem. Now, this is not the type of journey that you want to choose if you want your life to be comfortable, good, and easy. Look what he says in Acts chapter 20, verse 22. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. Now notice this. And I don't know what awaits me. That's not the definition of a comfortable, easy, problem-free life. There is a deep, deep sense in this verse... That Paul is revealing a little bit of the road that is ahead of him. Things are not going to be easy when he gets there to Jerusalem. There is this nagging suspicion in his life that life is going to be painful. That his situ- the situations that he's going to encounter in the future in Jerusalem is not going to be good. And here is what we need to understand, friends. Good is not the goal of our lives. God should be the goal of our lives. And Paul uses this language in verse 22. He says, I am bound. I am bound by the Spirit. There is this sense that in the grand scheme of things, even though he's facing a very unpredictable future, and uncertainty, there's, a, there's this, in the grand scheme of things, God is directing his life, and he's directing his life toward this end, and there is a direct pulling of the Holy Spirit. Now this word bound seems to indicate that Paul doesn't have much of a choice. But what Paul is actually revealing to us when he uses the word bound is that he has made a decision in his life that whatever the Holy Spirit prompts him to do, no matter what that might be, no matter what he might face in the future, when the Holy Spirit has prompted him, I'm going to be bound to complete that. I'm bound, he says. Because years ago, Paul says... I made a decision to live a God-guided life. And because I made that decision, when the Holy Spirit prompts me towards a certain direction, no matter what is required, no matter what work needs to be done, no matter what circumstances I may encounter, no matter where the Holy Spirit leads me, I will follow the leading of God's Spirit in my life. Now, with this type of attitude, listen, friends, with this type of attitude, you will always find yourself in that place where you are destined to be. If you live your life under the prompting of God's Spirit, you will never be outside of God's directive in your life. And when you are in the middle and in the center of God's purposes and God's will for your life, no matter what is happening around you, you can find peace, joy, and happiness in your life, no matter what the circumstances are. You find yourself exactly in the exact place where God wants you to be. It's this, it's this deep-rooted sense that you, know, that you 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 know that you are to be where you're supposed to be. And when you know beyond any shadow of a doubt where you are supposed to be, there is this peaceful sense that overtakes you when you let God truly guide your life. There was this basketball player, Manute Bowl, who played 10 years in the Nas- National Basketball Association. He grew up in Sudan, Africa. And what makes Manute Bowl very special is that he was seven foot. Seven inches tall. For those of you who don't understand that because you're in the metric system, we're in the metric system in Canada, 2.31 meters tall. He was the tallest basketball player in the history of the National Basketball Association, the NBA. And during his 10 year career as a basketball player, Minute Bowl averaged 1.5 million dollars, that's what he got paid, 1.5 million dollars per year. And in the year 2004, he he, he was penniless, and he was laying in a hospital bed, having been thrown from a car in a car accident. And he suffered a broken neck, a broken left wrist, a shattered kneecap. He had a massive head wound. He had numerous internal injuries. He remained in the hospital for four months with no means to pay for his medical treatment. So then Sports Illustrated came along and they interviewed him, wondering why a man who earned millions of dollars in his career as a basketball player had trouble paying his hospital bill. And in the interview, they found out, Sports Illustrated found out, that he had given away every penny of his life savings to help the Sudanese orphans. And Manute Bull, and I quote this, from, pulled Sports Illustrated. He said these words, God guided me to America and gave me a good job, but God also gave me a heart so I would look back. At some point, listen my friends. At some point in our lives, you and I have to make a decision. Are you going to pursue the good life, or are you going to pursue a God-guided life? But you also need to know this, that the real good life is guided by God. Here's the second decision that helps us to understand how Paul helps with a a confident life. The second decision that Paul made was he chose to be a servant, not a master. He chose to be a servant, not a master. Acts chapter 20, verse 18 and verse 19. When they arrived, he declared, You know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly. And with many tears, I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. And then he identifies his objective, what his objective was in ministry. And that's found in Acts chapter 20, verse 21. I have had one message for the Jews and Greeks alike. The necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God. And having faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So the singular focus of the Apostle Paul was to do whatever Jesus wanted. That was his focus, plain and simple, that's it. Paul's example clarifies us how our life should be in this world. In these verses, here's the clarification of what our life should be in this world. It brings to us this very simple question that we need to ask ourselves. What has Jesus called you to do? If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you say, I'm a disciple of Jesus. That's the question. Every one of us needs to ask ourselves. What has Jesus asked you to do in part of living within his kingdom. What are you called to do in the grand kingdom of God? What has Jesus asked you to do as your part in the kingdom of God? Some people hear that question and they think they need to save the entire world. They need to solve world hunger. They need to eradicate human trafficking. And some people feel that that there's just not enough to... (laughs) There's just so much weight to carry to do all the things that Jesus needs to do. We need to redeem the world. Folks, can I just suggest that we take a deep breath for a moment and just take it in for a moment, just just breathe. And let me tell you what God is not calling you to do. You are not, you are not, and I'm not responsible to save the world. Absolutely, there are people who need salvation and there are people around the world who need to experience the love and grace and forgiveness and salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, there's a lot of brokenness and there's a lot of pain in our society. But notice how the Bible describes what your responsibility is and what my responsibility is. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Verse 1 and 2, this is how you ought to regard us, as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. The description here is one of a servant. And a servant is not responsible to run the entire household. A master has the responsibility of running the household. A servant only is responsible to do that which the master tells him to do. And the resources that the master gives the servant to do the job that they need to do. Now, did you notice something in these verses? Did you notice that the word that is being associated with being a servant in in verse 2 of 1 Corinthians chapter 4? The word is faithful. That's the word that is associated with being a servant. Faithful is the vocabulary word that we use in the context of service. Is the servant being faithful to the task that the master has given them? Cheryl Bachelder was a dedicated Christian businesswoman. In fact, she was the CEO of Popeye's when she rebranded the entire brand into Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. Now Keith, who was leading, helping lead worship today is a great fan of Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen Chicken Sandwich. She turned, she turned this company completely around on the premise of, we need to be a servant culture at Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. And imprinted, imprinted on her calendar every day, she had printed the scripture verse from Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Now let me remind you what Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says. Notice what the Bible said: Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Cheryl Bach elder printed... These words on her calendar. And every day she was reminded of these words. And I quote something that she said. She said, I find that biblical perspective really challenging in every every aspect of my day. How I'm spending my time and the decisions I make to put them through a filter of whether I'm thinking about myself or whether I'm thinking about others or am I getting some personal benefit that I haven't been willing to acknowledge. And then she goes on to say, I always say being a servant is an aspiration because you can really never claim you've arrived. Because as soon as you do, someone will find you in a trap of self-interest. It's pretty hardwired, she says, that we're self-absorbed little people. You and I are responsible only to those excitements and those involvements that Jesus has led you into, nothing more, nothing less. Listen, friends, it is not your place. It is not your place to figure out where your greatest impact will be. It's not your place to figure out where your greatest impact. That's master vocabulary. Servant vocabulary is you just be faithful where God has placed you. My responsibility in life and your responsibility in life is simply to listen to your master Jesus and ask, Lord, where do you want me? What do you want me to do? How can I serve you? And then be faithful to that calling. Faithfulness is servant vocabulary. Impact is master vocabulary. And here's what we need to know. Each of, listen, each of us, whether you're watching right now online or whether you're in the sanctuary, each of us have been endowed with special gifts and abilities and talents. And God has placed those into your being. And he wants you to use those to help fulfill the expansion of, Within his kingdom. So, whatever you do, whether it's singing on the worship team or being an instrumentalist or usher or cleaning or sanitizing or greeting or working with children or being a person who prays faithfully daily, be faithful, whatever God has called you to do. Simply be faithful in your involvement. Simply be faithful. That's what a servant is called to do. And can I tell you this? That God can do immensely great things through you if you have the attitude, Lord, whatever you have for me, whatever I can do in service for you, I'm going to do it faithfully. Let me tell you, you have that attitude in your life. Our God can do amazing things. Whatever gifts, whatever talents, whatever abilities, wherever you find yourself engaged in the kingdom work of the Lord, as long as you're faithful. Here's the the third decision that the Apostle Paul allows us to discover in order for us to live a confident life. Decision number three that we need to make in our own lives. Don't allow yourself to become captive to fear. What was most important, what was most important to Paul, as we already said, was not comfort and earthly captivities, as compelling as that may have been, but what was most important to him was to live a faith-filled life that was motivated by his love for Jesus, Listen, you cannot be made captive by a pandemic or an economic downturn or political upheaval or anything else that will cause you to worry or become fearful. You cannot be made captive to those things when you understand that you are fully immersed in the dynamics, the power dynamics of God's kingdom. You cannot be held captive by fear when you are captivated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's impossible. It's impossible to be driven by fear when you are a full participant in the kingdom of God. Everything that Jesus said about the kingdom, the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of God is at hand, the kingdom of God is being revealed, everything about the kingdom is that it is available to everyone at every time, even in the middle of a messy world. The kingdom of God is available. In the middle of the mess, in the middle of the brokenness, in the middle of a pandemic, God's kingdom is still available. And what I want you to grasp today, what I want you to really understand, is that there is a parallel reality that is bigger and more profound and more powerful than our present reality. And we need to awaken ourselves to the place that there is a dynamic reality that will set you free from worries and fear from the present world realities. Did you get that? There is a parallel reality that is bigger and more profound and more powerful than our present realities in our situation. And it can set you free from all worries and fear in your present world realities. Let me address something for a moment and get pretty personal for just a second. Fear is running rampant in our culture today it's like a raging wildfire and the biggest surprise that has gravitated into my spirit is how many christians are living this fearful experience and the reactions and the emotional responses of people reveals this rampant fear is so prevalent in every aspect in every corner of our culture including the church and God has not given us this spirit of fear. Because there is a parallel reality that we live by. A reality that is bigger and more profound and more powerful than the present reality that we are living under. And yet so many people, even in the church, disciples of Jesus, are given into fear and worry. And there are two responses to the fear that people engage in. And usually it's this aspect of fight and flight. We run away or we fight it. But can I submit to you today that there is a third alternative if you live by the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to fight and you don't have to flight. You can actually choose freedom. And immediately when I say freedom, maybe some of you are thinking to yourself, but what if this happens? Or what if that happens? Or what if our culture moves this way? But what if our society moves that way? Or what will happen if there is conflict in this part of the world? How will it affect us? And, and immediately, when I say there's freedom, there's this what if, what if, what if. We, our minds start running rampant about all these what ifs. And if your mind immediately goes there, can I take you back to Acts chapter 20 and look at Paul's attitude. He knew there was something of difficulty that was awaiting him in Jerusalem. He knew he was moving into an uncertain future. He knew that it was going to even be painful, he described. There may be some pain involved. He knew his rights would be violated. And yet, Look how the chapter closes. In Acts chapter 20, verse 36 and verse 37. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. Verse 38. They were sad, most of all, because he had said to them they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. Paul was sailing off to an uncertain future. Paul was sailing off to an unfortunate destiny. And when you read these words, you might think to yourself, how. Is this even possible? Why would he do something like this? All this uncertainty, all of this this contention that could be happening, and he's got good friends here in Ephesus. Why would he leave a safe and secure and good life in Ephesus and just get on a ship to an uncertain future, an unfortunate destiny? Why would he even think about doing something like that? The reason is found in the fact that the Apostle Paul was captivated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. He lived, and this is where we need to line ourselves into church, this is where we need to find ourselves. He lived with an awareness that there is another kingdom that is so much bigger and much more important than anything that this world could offer. That's what captivated him. He understood the parallel kingdom. He understood that there was a profound, a more powerful reality that actually existed. And because he was captivated by the gospel, he did not worry, nor did he fear about his future. He lived with an awareness that resonated deep within his soul and in his spirit that there is another kingdom that is much bigger, much more powerful, much more important than anything that can be found in this world. It doesn't matter what tomorrow holds as long as you know who holds tomorrow. I'm not going to live in fear or be held captive by what may be out there. I'm only going to be captivated in this moment, in this day, at this hour. I'm going to be captivated to live for Jesus. So I'm going to close today, and I want all of us to imagine, whether you're in this sanctuary or you're watching online, Imagine if really we, we really could live by saying the phrase that I mentioned earlier, I'm where I'm supposed to be, doing what I should be doing, and I'm okay with my future no matter what the outcome is. That's exactly what Jesus offers us. Being able to live with a resolute certainty that is within our hearts, and in our spirit. So here's the question. Here's the questions that you need to be asking yourselves. And perhaps even answering. Have you decided to live a God-guided life? Have you decided to live a God-guided life? Or is the good life, the comfortable life, good enough for you? Have you made a decision to be a servant in the work of the kingdom of God? Have you decided to be captivated by the power of God's kingdom. Now, if you want to be a person that allows circumstances to define your fears and your life, if you're going to allow society to have control over your sense of peace and you just want to keep trudging along and you just keep wanting to living a mundane life, looking for some kind of happiness that this world can give, can I challenge you to perhaps look at another perspective, maybe go a different way in life? Instead of just living this mundane life and being captivated by fear, can you accept today, can you take a moment and accept what Jesus offers? Jesus offers this incredible ability in each one of our lives. Jesus offers us the ability to live a life with confidence and with certainty and it doesn't matter what happens next or it doesn't matter what's happening around me this world is in chaos I understand all that but in the midst of the chaos can you say I'm not going to let fear define me because my life my life and I'm choosing this life I'm choosing this life I'm choosing today to live in a kingdom that is much better, bigger, more powerful than what I see in the world today around me. I choose to live in a different realm. I choose to live a parallel existence. I choose to live in a kingdom that is bigger and better and more powerful. And that decision I can't make for you. I can't answer the questions for your life. That is a choice that you have to make. And the Apostle Paul made those three choices that I'm challenging you to make. He made the choice to live a God-guided life over a good life. He made the choice to be a servant in the kingdom of God. And he chose a life that is not going to be captivated by fear but he was going to move into his future secure and confident that God had his best interest at heart. Now you have to make a decision for your life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I would ask that all of us, however we are participating in this service today, that all of us somehow some way would come to a point in our life that we would understand the dynamics of a spirit-filled life a spirit-filled kingdom a parallel existence that goes beyond just living a mundane life that we would see, O oh God, that you have our best interests at hand, that you would guide us, that you, would, you are calling us to be servants, that you are, you are a God who doesn't want us to live in fear, but you want us to walk with certainty and confidence. I pray today, O oh God, may we make the right choice today. May we choose, O oh God, to live a parallel life as a disciple of Jesus beyond the mess, beyond the upheavals, beyond our present circumstances. May we see the greatness of your kingdom. So Jesus, I pray today, may we all choose to make that choice for our own lives. Amen and amen. Before you... Shut off your TV or your device. Can you just stay with us as we close with one more song? Those of you in the sanctuary, if you want to stand at this time, let's worship God and let's worship His name together before we depart. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you again next week. Amen.